Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. I'm sure you have heard and you have seen that Bernie Sanders is valiantly insisting on soldiering on. Shocking. Who would have dreamt he would continue his campaign? (laughs) I just, I was, what I was surprised at was what his campaign manager or one of his campaign managers said that Bernie would be continuing on until the Arizona debate. At least that. Good night. I should hope so. The Arizona primary just around the corner. Here, this is Thursday, March 12th. So coming up Tuesday, primaries in Arizona and Illinois. A big hall in Illinois. That wonderful Democrat stronghold city Chicago, and the whole area surrounding it. But for Bernie, for his campaign manager or number two or number three to be saying that he will be continuing on at least until the Arizona, not primary, but debate, the debate before the primary. It's just, anyway. (laughs) And he is looking forward to this debate to be able to square off with Joe Biden and go toe-to-toe with Joe. Fantastic. Now, (laughs) in so much in the way of communications in this presidential race, presidential nominee race, but it really is the presidential race or pre-race, Joe Biden has not come across as the rough, tough, bare-knuckled, pardon me, knuckled brawler that I think of him as. (laughs) But Bernie Sanders has. And Bernie Sanders has absolutely come across as he is, the Marxist activist that he is. Oh, so much like Sololinsky, it's just... Something. So these Jews who (laughs) worship man instead of God, just extraordinary. But in any case, looking forward to this great debate. Well, Joe, unfortunately, again, he manages to be very generous, very liberal, (laughs) meaning generous, with his foot-in-the-mouth gaffes that he is known for. But you know what? When Joe makes those gaffes, even though all manner of gossip mongers make all kinds of ridiculous claims concerning him, very negative, scathing remarks concerning him, 
on the basis of those gaffes, not on the basis of the content of what he has done, but on those gaffes, it, it is unbecoming, shall I say? You know, when, when the president, Donald Trump, makes the statements that he makes, the outrageous statements that he routinely makes and tweets, they're not gaffes in the sense of being a faux pas, a misstatement. They are things he means to say. And as a result, they are ever so much more damning. When Bernie Sanders makes the statements that he makes, likewise, he means to say those things. And they are ever so damning. But when Joe fumbles and stumbles and makes misstatements that he did not intend to say, and you want to make a huge to-do about that, to me that is idiotic. But, in any case, moving on, Joe did succeed in reeling in Michigan, Missouri, and Mississippi on this last primary and caucus Tuesday. Yes. Michigan, Missouri, and Mississippi A. Meanwhile, not to mention Idaho, but Michigan, Missouri, and Mississippi are three states I have no connection with. But Idaho, where Joe won, Bernie lost. North Dakota, where Bernie won, Joe lost. And Washington State, where the last I saw, Bernie was leading. Such a shock there. I have direct connection to all three of those states in terms of forebears. And... (laughs) What was interesting about Michigan, Missouri, the show-me state, and Mississippi, Mississippi, was that Bernie did not take a single solitary district. Shock. I mean, this was just extraordinary. I guarantee you this rocked Bernie. I guarantee it. But he's good at covering up, doing the robodope. But uh, I guarantee you, this rocked Bernie. He had super surrogate Jesse Jackson Sr. out there stumping for him in Michigan, in Detroit. And he also had some other surrogates from that area. Black surrogates. Meanwhile, Joe, yes, he had people of color, female and male, former presidential candidates who've dropped out, but they were almost like carpetbaggers, you know, coming in from California, New Jersey, you know, not exactly local folks. So for 
Bernie to fail to take a single solitary district in Michigan was shocking. And on top of that, to fail to take a single district in Missouri, the show me state, where he showed <laughs> he showed that he's in trouble and Mississippi was breathtaking. And then Idaho. Fascinating. Meanwhile, North Dakota, where the so-called Church of Satan has its headquarters. Yes, and has had for, goodness, a couple decades now. Bernie managed to take North Dakota. Despite all the massive job creation in North Dakota pertaining to oil exploration that has taken place over the last few years. But Bernie got a victory in North Dakota. And leading in Washington State, (laughs) Washington State, the state of Seattle. Yes. The greater Seattle-Tacoma area. King County, where Seattle is, is so far left. Washington State, like California, the great state of California, the great state of Washington, both synonymous with high-tech, synonymous with dot-coms, and synonymous with women U.S. senators. Men U.S. senators, none. None for years and years and years. And leftist governors, one after another, for years and years and years. And shockingly enough, he's leading in Washington State. There probably have been, you know, some efforts to call the state of Washington State. However, the problem there is that such a huge number of votes are mail-in or drop-off ballots. So it has been delayed. Speaking of delayed results, how about Bernie Sanders now being lauded as the victor in California? Speaking of that other great state, my home state, but yes, Bernie, surprisingly, has now been declared the winner. (laughs) Well, it was known, it was known Bernie was going to take California. California came right after the South Carolina primary victory by Joe. Right after, I mean, (laughs) days after. And... All the Super Tuesday slate. But California was the only really strong victory that Sanders got. And even at that, he is, last I saw, only ahead of Joe in California by 40 delegates. Now, that might sound like a lot. But when you consider that California had 415 delegates, 415 And Bernie is only leading by 40. 
that was a de facto victory for Joe because Joe had next to no organization in the state. Why, you may ask? Well, Joe's financial coffers were very low. California is an extremely expensive media market, massive population, huge amount of ground to cover, and a great deal of diversity. And I'm not talking about demographics of Caucasian, Black Americans, Mexican Americans, Oriental Asian Americans. I'm talking about something more, something more profound than mere racial differences. But, but Joe really got an enormous bounce out of South Carolina and did tremendously in the great golden sanctuary state of California, reminiscent of Vienna, Austria, that was referred to by the Islamists, by the Ottoman Muslim Empire, as the golden apple that they were hell-bent on destroying. Well, California has been destroyed, not by Islamist hordes, but by Democrat government. Meanwhile, I mentioned previously about Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders that they would be receiving Secret Service details. Belatedly, as far as I'm concerned, but that they would be receiving these details. Did you happen by chance to see a video of Joe having this rally in Los Angeles right after Super Tuesday? And prior, I shouldn't say right after Super Tuesday, at Super Tuesday, this was right after South Carolina victory, but this was celebrating his Super Tuesday wins. So days after South Carolina, massive victory in Los Angeles, celebrating his Super Tuesday wins. And you'd be thinking, well, California, he didn't win California, but he was celebrating there, having a great rally. He was on stage with his wife, Jill, whom I have referred to before and will refer to again later in this program. And a couple of Bernie Sanders enthusiastic female supporters. (laughs) He has got the most thuggish supporters. But these two babes... They (laughs) launched themselves at the platform. And Joe's private security guard, they didn't have any Secret Service. His private security guard grabbed the first one that came on stage. And watching the video, Jill saw out of a corner of her eye, she saw this woman coming. She didn't see both, but she saw her coming. And Jill stepped in front of her husband, put her arm out across him, the way my mother used to do when she was driving, 
and I'd be in the front seat, or she would do if one of my sisters was, that she anticipated there might be a crash because of what was up ahead, and she would do that to keep us from crashing into the console. Jill shielded her husband, Joe. And just in time, this private security man stepped in, grabbed this woman, took her off stage. And moments later, this other woman flies in there, and Jill steps over, because it's on the other side, and reaches out to her and prevents her from getting to her husband, and then a woman who has a high position with Joe's campaign, a senior campaign advisor, Simone Sanders, she charged onto the platform. She grabbed this woman protester and took her off the stage. A couple of Bernie's good people, you know, really exciting. But I'll tell you, I've never seen anything like it before. This was not staged. This was the exact diametric opposite of that 60 Minutes video that we shot by wonderful 60 Minutes, which saved Bill Clinton's presidential campaign in 92, in which he attempted to protect his darling wife, Hillary Rodham Clinton, from being hit by a light that came crashing down on stage while they were being interviewed, completely staged by 60 Minutes. (laughs) Damage control for what was happening concerning Bill and Hill's background, but particularly Bill's unseemly history. But this was spontaneous, this was not staged, this was not phony, this was not fake news, Mr. President. This was real. And I have never, ever seen anything in politics like it. In real life, yes. Yes. But not in politics. What comes to mind, frankly, was when Osama bin Laden was finally taken down and the special forces men were basically toe-to-toe with him and one of Osama's wives leaped in there to try to protect him. This was really something here by Jill. I must say I'm extremely impressed by it. Not so impressed by a statement that she made. You will recall in a previous program with regard to Joe and Bernie contemplating vice presidential running mates and there were various names that were floated as top picks for Joe, 
one of them Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, which surprised me, but I would say after the Michigan primary, probably going to be given more consideration. Pete Sodomite Buttigieg and Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris. Yes, who did campaign for Joe in Michigan, along with Corey booking it to the White House, Booker. Surrogates for Joe. But they were named Amy Planned Parenthood, Nayral, now Klobuchar, or however it's pronounced. I've pronounced it more than one way. Klobuchar, Klobuchar. She was not mentioned. But Jill Biden said the following after these three, Kamala Harris, Gretchen Whitmer, and Pete Sodomite Buttigieg, were named. She said, quote, everyone you mentioned would be a great pick. End quote. <laughs> Nada. Not, not, not even slightly. But, but I was extremely impressed by how she attempted to protect her husband. Meanwhile, you will recall I previously made mention of Kamala Harris, her statement when she lent her endorsement to Joe Biden after suspending her campaign. And she said the following, which I quoted at that time, quote, like many women, I watched with sadness as women exited the race one by one. Four years after Hillary Clinton was the party's nominee, we find ourselves without any woman on a path to be the Democratic nominee for president. This is something we must reckon with, and it is something I will have more to say about in the future, end quote. However, what nonsense. Let's go back to 92-93, when Bill Clinton, big guy, Bubba, William Jefferson Clinton, when he was elected, along with Albert Arnold Gore Jr. First thing that Bill (laughs) told America was that we, Americans, those who had voted for this team, that they had gotten a twofer. Well, of course they did. They got Bill and Al. No. He was very explicit, and he had Hillary there with him, that we were getting Bill and Hillary. She was going to be the co-president. She functioned as co-president. They had a war room running for the entire eight years they were in the White House, and she was in charge of it. And she ran it ferociously to destroy all women who would make charges against Bill. Like the hashtag Me Too women of today. She was in charge of destroying them. Dear 
pro-woman, pro-child Hillary Rodham Clinton. Oh, but four years after she was the party's nominee, oh, we find ourselves without any woman on a path to be the Democratic nominee for president. Oh, so sad. Well, guess what? And, of course, we had Michelle Obama, who (laughs) exercised a great deal of power during those eight years while Joe was Veep. But here we have two Democrat contenders, down to two. Oh, I know. You know, Tulsi Gabbard is still in there. Last I knew, she had one delegate. She may have picked up some more in these contests, such as in California. But (laughs) Michael Bloomberg got one delegate out of California. And, yes, Liz, Native American Indian, Warren got several. But before they suspended their campaigns, but undoubtedly, both Joe and Bernie will name those whom they want for their running mates. Unless Bernie suspends his campaign before that, they will name their would-be running mates, and it will be a shock to me if they are not both women. Oh, well, that's just a minor post, right? It's true that Vice President has historically been a minor post. It doesn't have to be. As I've mentioned before, Gerald Rudolph King Ford, when he was certain he had it in the bag, he had been offered the position by Ronald Reagan. He gave an interview in which he referred to himself as the co-president. Ronald Reagan caught sight of that interview and immediately extended the offer to George Herbert Walker Bush. Terrible mistake, but it had been a terrible mistake to offer it to Gerald Rudolph King Ford. But the point is that position can be a very powerful position. Vladimir Putin was in that de facto position for three months before he succeeded Boris Yeltsin and became, in reality, the dictator for life in the Russian Federation. But before I go further, let me just say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that is due to me. That's on me. That is my fault. But back to this matter of no woman on a path to be the Democratic nominee for president. It is so sad. Oh, it's so terrible. It's so tragic. Guess what? Bernie Sanders is 78. Joe Biden is 77. If one of them becomes the nominee, and one of them will, (laughs) the only way that won't happen 
is if neither one of them reaches 1,991 delegates going into the convention. And (laughs) the convention ends up dragging on and going to a 20th ballot and a 50th ballot and a 75th ballot. And somehow or other, someone other than either one of them gets drafted to be the nominee. That's the only way that happens. Or if both of them die before the convention. You know, something happens, they both get felled by coronavirus, COVID-19, right? Something like that. But suffice to say, one of them will be named the nominee. And that person will with. 99.9999999999% certainty name a woman a leftist firebrand horrible woman to be his vp and she will be you know 20 years his junior something like that or 30 years or 40 years <laughs> but in any case Yes, there will be a woman on a path to become president. Not the nominee, but the president. (laughs) If and or when the Democrat nominee, standard bearer, is elected over the incumbent president, takes office as president, or doesn't, dies before that, (laughs) takes office as president and dies in office, or becomes disabled, or after one term is still sufficiently popular to be reelected, but is not in good enough health to continue, whoever has been tapped to be vice president is one heartbeat away from the presidency. So this is so, (laughs) so, so, so deceitful by dear Kamala, Kamala Harris as Liz Native American Indian Warren stated, quote, this is after suspending her campaign. That term, you know, if you're suspended from school, you have to stay away from school for what? For a day, a week. If you are expelled from school, you're out. But why is it that when they stop their campaigns, they are only suspending their campaigns? (laughs) Why is that? Oh, well. Liz Warren said the following after suspending her campaign. After her failures, her massive failures on Super Tuesday, quote, our work continues. The fight goes on and big dreams never die, end quote. No, she didn't say the beat goes on or the show must go on, but the fight goes on. Hillary Rodham Clinton was so fond is so fond of always referring to fighting, fighting, fighting. (laughs) Yes, 
running the war room and savaging women that have been assaulted, even raped by her dear husband, co-president Bill. But our work continues. The fight goes on and big dreams never die, said Liz Warren to her staff, her campaign staff. Yes. Exciting. Oh, what what quality women they are. Now, Liz, of course, I mentioned before that Rohit Khanna, Ro Khanna, national campaign co-chair for Bernie Marxist Alinsky Sanders, that he suggested that, quote, maybe Senator Warren, I mean, I've said Senator Warren would be an outstanding choice. There will be other outstanding choices, end quote. Well, (laughs) yes, but both Joe and Bernie have shown interest in obtaining her endorsement, not necessarily in choosing her as VP-to-be. Yes. But Rohit, probably mispronouncing that, but he goes by Ro, Rohit, he said the following, quote, Senator Warren is an intellectual giant, end quote. Yes, an intellectual giant, end quote. If that's true, (laughs) why is it that this intellectual giant who is so devoid of intellectual honesty has so (laughs) deceitfully exploited this matter of being a Native American woman throughout her career. From grad school all the way up. Oh, she's such an intellectual giant. Well, then she has to still take a back seat to Hillary Rodham Clinton, who has forever claimed to be the smartest woman in the world. You know, just like Donald Trump is forever touting how smart he supposedly is. It's tough, though, to get past all of the incredibly stupid things that he claims. But, no. Now, I saw an article which had the following title. I'm only going to mention the title, if I may. Elizabeth Warren is unlikely to endorse Bernie Sanders. Here's why. Well, I already said why she would not endorse Bernie Sanders if she did not endorse Bernie Sanders. Why she would not endorse Joe Biden if she did not endorse Joe Biden. And the reason is simply this, that they didn't cut a good enough deal with her. It's as simple as that. You can come up with all the other possibilities that you want. That Bernie's enthusiastic thug supporters 
have been really nasty to her. And that Bernie has failed to rein them in. Or that Joe is just worlds apart from Liz on content, on the issues, on policy. And therefore, they just don't make a team. But what it will come down to, I guarantee you of this, is that neither one of them offers Liz a sufficiently attractive offer, an offer that she cannot refuse. This is a woman who, like Hillary, like Kamala, wants... Let me rephrase that. Has a burning, insatiable appetite ambition, lust to be president. So she has to see a very clear, convincing pathway to the presidency. Not being some weak veep, some dist veep. Albert Arnold Gore had a, had a minor role, really. Hillary, she wielded power. Joe supposedly exercised so much power as vice president, but in point of fact, Michelle wielded more power. So Bernie or Joe, in order to get Liz's endorsement, they have to offer her the vice presidency, the vice presidential running mate position. They have to do that. They are not going to get her endorsement any other way. But more than that, it has to be made unmistakably clear that she will not merely be a figurehead VP if their ticket is elected, but instead that she will get to exercise real power, political power. Now, Liz might take a step back from that and do the math and figure, you know what? They're 78 and 77. I think my odds are really good (laughs) of becoming president if I accept the VP nomination with one of them and we get elected. I would say those odds are very strong. You know, unlike the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes, you know, you get to be one of 10 billion... (laughs) Entries or some fool thing like that? No. I'd say this is much more like a raffle. And there are only, oh, I don't know, 10 tickets being sold. (laughs) You know, chances of you being the winner, pretty high. (laughs) Only in this case, it would be more like, well, maybe there are three tickets being sold. 
and the chances of her succeeding to the presidency before eight years, two full terms are up, is extremely high. But we will see. Regardless whom they select, (laughs) there is no guarantee that the Democratic ticket, the Democrat Party ticket, is going to be elected. But Bernie claimed, Bernie promised he was going to deliver the youth vote. After all, he took the lion's share of the youth vote in the Nevada caucuses, Democrat caucuses. And he fared very well with them in California. But for some reason or other, he didn't quite manage to have the same stardust success with them in this group of states, particularly Michigan, Missouri, and Mississippi, as well as Idaho. Idaho, yes, he just just couldn't make it stick. But, meanwhile, Joe Biden, did you see that he canceled all events that were scheduled for tomorrow, Friday, in Chicago. Two very high-profile fundraisers. And Joe's campaign has needed money. Yes, they got a great influx of money after the South Carolina sea change victory. And they have been continuing to get significant funding since then. It changed the whole dynamic, and it has continued to change in his favor. But still, two very high-profile fundraisers canceled. That's a bit tough to swallow for Joe, but he did it. Not somebody else. Joe canceled them. He also canceled a major public rally. Why? Because of the matter of the little old pandemic that until now has refused to be called a pandemic. (laughs) Oh, yes, because of those great bureaucrats running the World Health Organization, playing politics with this, and because of a certain president who shamelessly does that. But now, now Joe canceled these. This was the other day this was announced, and this going into the Tuesday primary in Illinois. So, pretty big deal. You know, Joe makes lots of gaffes. And again, those aren't the things that I hold against him. No. What I hold against him are the things that he says that he means to say. When he talks about, oh, how great Pete Buttigieg is, you know. And he and Bernie both welcoming all of those sodomite voters to their campaigns, you know. Pandering for their votes. Demagoguing for them. And all that he has done to push and to promote the induced abortion, elective abortion agenda. 
all that he has done to push and promote the sodomite agenda, he and his former president, Barack Hussein Obama, whom he worked so closely with, and the list goes on. But his content and what he has said that he has meant to say, those are the things I hold against Joe. Well, Joe has now officially, formally, publicly announced that he blames the incumbent president for his breathtaking, colossal failures with regard to the coronavirus, COVID-19 pandemic. The failures with regard to planning to combat it. How about the failures pertaining to lying about it, (laughs) denying it, hoping it will go away, right? Oh, well, let's just, you know, this great strategy, which is not a strategy, it's a tactic, but we will just pretend it's not that big a deal and we will encourage public confidence and so forth, just like George Walker Bush did after September 11, 2001. Oh, you know, we must... We must get out there and shop and we must travel and eat out and all those things because otherwise the terrorists win. Yeah, great leadership. But And Joe went on to talk about his plans. He said, we will lead by science. He made an address from his hometown of little old Wilmington, Delaware, the heart of Delaware, if you will. Not Dover, Delaware, capital, but Wilmington, the banking capital. But meanwhile, I referred previously to the Katusha rocket bombings of one base in Iraq. Now there have been others. I mentioned the other day that two American servicemen were slain, murdered, if you will, along with another coalition service man, a Brit, a British member, in this attack. Well, it was found later on that there was a Katusha rocket truck that was discovered some miles from the base, that had been abandoned, that was responsible for it, and it will undoubtedly end up back in the hands of those who used it, you know, just the way these things go on. But there was every reason to believe, and there is every reason to believe, that those that committed this were Iranian-backed fighters or... Dear old Iran's Revolutionary Guard Corps, who have been so active in Iraq, and who are directly linked to Vladimir Putin of Russia. We'll get to Vlad in just a minute. But meanwhile, United States Defense Secretary under President Trump, Mark Esper, made the following statement. 
quote, all options are on the table as we work with our partners to bring the perpetrators to justice and mean maintain deterrence. We mean business, right? End quote. Yes, to bring the perpetrators to justice. Oh, yes, just like we do here in the United States of America. Arrest them, try them, maybe convict them on lesser charges, plead down those charges, send them to jail or prison for a while, and then release them back out in the public to prey upon the public. Yes, we will bring them to justice. All options are on the table. Excuse me? First of all, we know nothing about justice. Secondly, (laughs) little matter of the House of Representatives passed a resolution the other day to constrain the president, to prevent him from being able to unilaterally take military action against wonderful Islamist Iran. And they sent it to the president's desk for his expected veto. What are you talking about? I thought that once something was voted on in the House of Representatives, that then it was sent to the Senate. Well, wait a minute. This had already passed the Senate. Normally, resolutions, they will be drawn up in the House, drawn up in the Senate. They have meetings between themselves and hash it out which version is going to be used and so forth. Well, this particular resolution started in the Senate. It passed. It passed muster in the Senate by 55 votes to 45. That's right. Eight Republicans crossed the aisle and joined the Democrats to support it. And then it was sent to the House of Representatives where it passed 227 to 186. And now it has been sent to the president. Do you think the president is going to veto it? I would say the chances are extremely high. Like about 99.999999% you know, chance. But meanwhile, dictator for life. He has been since he took over as president of Democratic Russia, the Russian Federation, from Boris Drunkard Yeltsin, right? Well, guess what? I spoke about this, about this resolution that was offered this, you know, by this wonderful woman cosmonaut who is now, yes, in their, the lower house, the Duma Well, guess what? (laughs) Vladimir. Vladimir has been given 16 more years, two more terms as boss man in Russia. He will rule until 2036. No, he will rule as long as he lives. Whether that is 2050, if the world is still going on as it's going on. But, Vladimir, yes, (laughs) a buddy of his, an oligarch, and a backer, big business backer, 
He said that Vladimir has become a quasi-monarch, that the presidency has become a quasi-monarchy, and he meant it in the best possible sense. Konstantin Malofiev, nationalist financier. He owns his own TV channel. Now, most of these, most of these oligarchs, they were really, they got uh, whip-cracking from Putin. But he's on his good side. Quote, the quasi-monarchy that we basically now have is a very good thing. Quote, if we were now to start calling him emperor, not president, then we wouldn't have to change much in the Constitution. End quote. Isn't that good? Oh, boy. But Vladimir is only 67. He's a young guy. But he has ambitions for world domination. I don't believe they will be realized personally, as I've mentioned before. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.